In Matthew chapter 6, we will be reading verses 5 through 13. The word of our Lord from the gospel says, When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you even ask Him. In this manner, therefore, you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God. Increase in us the gifts of faith, hope, and love. And so that we may obtain what you promise, make us love what you command. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. There are two primary Means through which God communicates with mankind. Last week we looked at the first of these means, the Scriptures. We refer to the Bible as the Word of God. And we mentioned last week that uh, this is the Word of God for the people of God. And our response ought to be, thanks be to God. And so God has communicated to us through His written Word, through the Scriptures. But He also gives us a second primary means through which He communicates with mankind, and that is prayer. The first, you could say, is kind of fixed. You know, you've got those books. They are there. They're not added upon. They're not taken from. They are there. They're fixed. But the second of these primary means, prayer, is kind of open. Because when we pray, the scriptures invite us to come and to make our requests known to God. They invite us to come and to cast our cares on him, for they say he cares for us. And so in prayer, we are invited into a conversation with God. He has spoken to us and wants to speak anew and afresh to us. And he invites us to come before him and to speak Not just to him, but with him. To dialogue. The cry of the human heart is for God. In fact, St. Augustine said, O Lord, thou hast created us for thyself, and our hearts remain restless till they rest in thee. 
The cry of the human heart is, is for something more than this life, for something more than what the senses can experience, for something more that provides life meaning and purpose, that gives a center to one's existence, that gives a ground upon which we can be built and our lives can be rested. A goal, you could say, for our lives. God is indeed the cry of the human heart. For something beyond this world. Something beyond the experience that we know now. And so there's no surprise or there should be no surprise that in Luke's account of the gospel, Matthew places the Lord's Prayer here in the Sermon on the Mount. But in Luke's account of the gospel, we read the story of the disciples. They, they come along and they see Jesus as he's praying. And when he stops praying, they said, you know, Jesus, John the Baptist taught his disciples how they ought to pray. Why don't you teach us how we ought to pray? Lord, teach us to pray. And so he gives them then what could be called the model prayer and what has traditionally been known as the Lord's Prayer. When you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven. We have something within us that drives us Beyond ourselves, but not just beyond ourselves into the lives of others, but drives us beyond ourselves and beyond this world and calls for us, as it were, from another world, from a world that is beyond. And so when we find ourselves in times of trouble, what do we do? We pray. Even those who... Admit that they don't even know if their prayers are going anywhere other than the ceiling of the room. They say, you know, I, I found myself at the end of my rope. I find myself in the midst of uncertainty and in the midst of chaos and, and I don't know what to do. And so I say, Lord, I don't know if you are there. I don't know if you even care to hear from me. But if you are there and if you could hear me and care to hear from me, would you please, please help me? Prayer is, it's, it's, um, it's like gasping for breath when we've been suffocated. Now, prayer ought to be more than that. But if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we, we do find ourselves being driven either to our knees in prayer or driven to just pull off on the side of the road and lift up our voices to God in the darkness. We find ourselves having a, a longing to scream out for help. When we find ourselves in trouble. And so prayer. Very very simply. Is communication. With God. It is an avenue. Before, that has been opened before us. So that we can come. And we can actually speak. With the one who made us. Speak with the one who created us in his image. Speak with the one who has redeemed us. The one who offers us life. We are invited in prayer to communicate with him. It is an exchange of words, so to speak. In fact, even the word communication, etymologically, it means to be brought together, to share, to become one with. And in communication... We are 
coming together with an exchange of words. We are talking over something. We are speaking about something. And in prayer, we're called to come and to speak about life, to speak about its troubles, to speak about our dreams, to speak about our hopes, to speak about our fears, to speak about our disappointments and our aggravations and our frustrations. We're, we're called in prayer to come and to speak these things with God. To exchange these words with Him so that somehow, in some miraculous way, we can find ourselves sharing life with God. Finding His heart and His mind when we don't know what to feel or what to think. And so prayer is at least three things. I just want to offer these three ideas to you this morning. First, prayer is about touching the heart of God. We reach out in prayer because we're convinced, whether we're convinced well or not, or whether we're convinced rationally or not, we're convinced that God can do something. You've seen people's Facebook status Posts, uh, updates, and folks will comment, God's got this, or God's bigger than that, that sort of thing. That is initially what we, why we are praying, because we are reaching out to touch the heart of God. Lord, if there's anything you could do about this circumstance, I pray that you would do it. The author Ian Bounds, or the pastoral theologian Ian Bounds, said that prayer moves the heart of God. Prayer changes things. Prayer opens up new possibilities. As C.S. Lewis described it, it's, it's, uh, it's in prayer that we are kind of like the student in the classroom raising our hand before the teacher, and the teacher says yes. And we say, do you think it would be possible if we did this? And now the teacher has the opportunity to say, well, I think that would be possible. Or maybe... No, we're not going to go that way. Or possibly come see me after class and we'll discuss it. And so in prayer, we don't just get our way. We don't just get what we want. But we are reaching out to touch the heart of God. We are reaching out to say, God, you can change the circumstances of life. And I'm wondering if you'd be willing to do that for me. The aim of prayer, though, is not just touching the heart of God, but the aim of prayer, even in a a deeper and richer sense, is about entering into the divine dialogue. You remember way on back in the book of Genesis, when God was creating all things, He made the heavens and the earth, He said, let there be light. He created the, the, uh, the sun and the moon and the stars. Divided the land and the seas. And you remember what he, what he said within himself on that sixth day of creation. Let us make man in our image. There is a divine dialogue going on Throughout the heart of eternity. Where the eternal father speaks to his eternal son. 
And we're invited in prayer to be guided through the eternal spirit to step into that dialogue, to get involved in what's being said. And so prayer really is a... It's not a private matter in the sense that we are not called to pray with one another. After all, we believe in prayer meetings. We, we pray as a congregation. But prayer is not about showmanship. Jesus criticizes those that he calls the hypocrites. Those who like to stand before everyone in the synagogue and cry out with their amazing prayer dialogue. Which is really a monologue for others to see. But prayer, in prayer, we are invited to come into what Jesus calls that secret place. And we're invited to exchange words within the divine dialogue. And so Jesus also warns his disciples against vain repetitions. The idea that, that if I just say the right things or do the right things or, or just repeat myself over and over enough, then, then somehow I'm going to arouse God's attention. He's going to say, okay. There are times in prayer where we need to simply be quiet before God. And if we're honest with ourselves, we will probably all admit that we often pray very hastily and very quickly because we've got things we've got to say and then we've got things we've got to do. But in prayer, we're afforded an opportunity to wait and to listen. Not just to speak, but to wait and listen. To be quiet before God. To hear what he has to say to us. Not just to get to what we have to say to him. You know, a dialogue is far, far different from a monologue. We, um, we oftentimes don't just like to talk to people. We like to talk at people. We've got something we want to say and we're going to get it out and they can just hang tight and let us get, get that, that statement out or get that diatribe out. But we've got something that we want to say and we're, going to, we're just going to say it. And we talk at people. And sadly, in many of our prayer lives, we talk at God. God, I need you to do this for me. And by the way, I thought you did that for me, but it fell through and it didn't work out. And so now I need you to do this. Oh, and by the way, before I forget, there's something else that's also come up. And we don't stop and get quiet before God. We don't stop so that we might wait and listen. But in prayer, we are entering into that divine dialogue. We are coming to speak with 
God, not just to Him and certainly not just at Him. Prayer is also, in a very pragmatic sense, prayer is about finding peace in life. You know what I mean here. When life isn't as it ought to be. When life's not just quite working out like we had planned. When family is in trouble. When the nations are raging, as the psalmist said. When finances are not just tight, but they're so tight they can't, they can't work. When tragedy strikes. When we just find ourselves with a deep and abiding unhappiness. What do we look for? We look for peace. We look for something to steady the waters. We look for something to calm our hearts. To ground our souls. And so we pray. We pray because we must. We pray because as as Peter told Jesus, Lord, to whom else would we go? We pray because that's the only thing we know to do. Life is often not as it ought to be. Most of you can can nod in a, a, a quiet affirming amen there. Life is often not what it ought to be. Just this week, I'm sure many of us have found ourselves disappointed with something or or surprised by something. And not in a good way, not not in not a, like a, a oh, wonderful, a nice surprise, but instead, oh, joy, I get to deal with this. Am I right? But thankfully, we are not just given an, a, uh, the, an opportunity to pray, but we are given the, the amazing privilege of prayer. To come before the one who hung the moon. To come before the one who spoke the stars into existence. And to cry out, Lord, I need help. I need peace. I need you to steady me. And so we pray. I ran across a quote this week. It said, it is of great significance. If there's a person who truly prays in a family... Prayer attracts God's grace and all the members of the family feel it. Even those whose hearts have grown cold. Pray always. 
I thought that's that's an amazing statement regarding prayer. Because prayer is not just it is not just about us finding our peace. Prayer is 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 about us finding peace so that we can be conduits of peace for others. In the same way that God offers us His grace so that we can be avenues of grace in the lives of others. In the same way that God blesses us as He promised Abraham so that we can be a blessing to others. God calls us into prayer not just for our own benefit but for the benefit of those around us. Because when life is falling apart and you find someone who somehow is steady and somehow is grounded and somehow has found peace in the midst of the chaos, that's the person you want to be around and that's the person you want to go to with your troubles to say, how are you doing it? Even as the quote says, even those whose hearts have grown cold find themselves benefited by the peace of God that comes through His grace as we Pray. And so pray we must. Whether it's because of family troubles or whether it's because of concerns going on in government and politics, whether it's because of too tight finances, whether it's because of tragedy or just that deep and abiding and unshakable unhappiness we find in life, we must pray. We ought to. To pray. We are called and invited to pray. Notice that Jesus said, In this manner you ought to pray. He gives his disciples not just a suggestion for a a roundabout structure for their prayer lives, he tells them, when you pray, say this. Now, if I have a problem with saying the Lord's Prayer, it's my problem. It's not the Lord's problem. It's a prayer He gave me. You know, some of us, uh, when we hear the Lord's Prayer, we... If we're not careful, we almost roll our eyes because we're like, man, they're not meaning that at all. They're just kind of going through the motions. It's a prayer that Jesus gave the church. It's a prayer that he gave his disciples. He said, when you pray, say this. In fact, in Luke's account of the gospel, when they come to, to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples to pray. He said, okay, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, or holy is your name. May your name be holy and revered. May it fill our hearts with awe and worship. Your kingdom come. Notice, your kingdom come and your will be done is not, those aren't two separate things. It's, it's, a, it's a form of parallelism. Your kingdom come, which means your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. Just as in heaven God speaks, snap, and the angels obey. Lord, may your church, may those who are fighting for your kingdom here, may we bring your rule and reign here on earth just as in heaven. 
So how he is teaching them to pray, this is, it serves definitely as an outline, but it's more than just an outline. It is, it is an actual prayer that the church is given to pray. And it's amazing. It begins with the recognition of the divine name. And it ends here in Matthew's gospel with the declaration of the divine rule. You remember he said, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But then he ends by saying, yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen. So while it begins with that recognition of the divine name that is holy, he then moves on into to praying for, with a longing for God's rule and reign. The, the, the marriage or the union of heaven and earth. Which is what the church ought to be about. What we ought to be about in our lives. He provides us also some simple requests. Requests for food and forgiveness. Lord, we need food for our bodies. Provide this day our daily bread. And we need forgiveness for our souls. Forgive us. Our debts as we forgive our debtors. Notice the humility and confession that is also implicit in the prayer. As we forgive our debtors, we pray that you would forgive us our debts. Lord, we owe you more than we can express. In prayer, we're called to humble ourselves. And the scriptures tell us that those who humble themselves before God will be lifted up by him. And part of that humility is making confession before God. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray for guidance and deliverance. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, from the evil one. Lord, protect us, guide us, direct our steps. And then again, he ends with proclaiming whose kingdom the kingdom is. Whose power is the origin of all power? And whose glory surpasses all glories we can imagine? For yours, O Father, is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. For all ages, for all time, for all things that are to come. I remember being in David in Palatka, Florida for an AIM annual meeting years ago. I was in college at the time. It was before Lindsay and I got married. So it was probably 14, 15 years ago. Last time the AIM annual meeting was in Florida. And um, 
I remember I had been wanting to talk with my uh, theology professor at the time, Chris Lorstorfer. Uh, he's now Dr. Chris Lorstorfer. Um, uh, I'd been wanting to talk with him about something. And I remember we were walking along the little highway there. We left the hotel room. And I think we went to a Waffle House or something. Some, some, little, some little diner or cafe that was right there on, on the highway. And so we're just walking. It was a short distance. And uh, somehow, we, uh, he had said something, I think maybe back in class the semester prior, he had said something about uh, taking the Lord's name in vain. And I think he, I think he just kind of you know, planted a seed in, in, in our minds and said something about that's more than just you know, saying God's, God's name kind of as a curse. So I said, hey, I've been wanting to ask you, what do you mean by that? What? I, you know, I've always just assumed that taking God's name in vain is, you know, kind of using His name inappropriately. And, and he said, well, we kept walking. He said, you know, I think that we take God's name in vain anytime we call upon Him without expecting Him to respond. I thought, well, that, that kind of cuts right into the old prayer life there, doesn't it? <laughs> but really... Making something vain means stripping it of its worth, stripping it of its value, making it something that is just a shell of what it ought to be. That's what vain people are. They're just a suit. They're just a blob of makeup. They, they are simply a shell of what they really ought to be. They have, been so, they have so reduced themselves that they have rid themselves of worth. And if we pray, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and we're not forgiving our debtors, It's safe to say we are taking God's name in vain. If we say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it's done in heaven. And we're not being about kingdom business and God's not ruling and reigning in our lives. We are praying vainly. We are merely going through what Jesus warned against. Vain repetition. Because we are invited in prayer to communicate with God. Believing that He hears us, but believing also that we are called to act according to those prayers. Lord, I need You to help me with my, with my troubles. Well, quit adding on to those troubles, right? Lord, I need you to help so-and-so who's in deep need. And never even stopping a moment to think how you could help meet that need. If we declare that indeed the kingdom is God's, that the power is God's and that the glory is God's, then we ought to live our lives accordingly. 
as though his kingdom really does matter in our calendars, in our priorities, in our decisions. That he is able to give us power to do those things that we thought we just couldn't do. And that we're doing those things for his glory, not so that we can get a a swell pat on the back. We're invited to pray. We're invited to fall before God and to lift up our brokenness to Him. To humbly come before Him. To lift our cares to Him because He cares for us. And that is a deep and rich opportunity for us. To speak with the one who spoke the worlds into existence. That ought to be something we want to do. I want to encourage you. If um, if you're not the praying type, start praying. Don't don't get caught up in, in with with grandiose ideas of all right. That's it. I'm going to start setting that alarm for four a.m. and I'm going to pray for two hours. If you can do that, good for you. But if you're not currently praying in life, put reminders in your life, even if it's just an alarm on your phone. If, if I've got like an appointment coming up, whether it's a dental appointment or an appointment to go grab coffee with someone, one of you, you can almost be guaranteed there was an alarm on my phone that started going off. And normally I pick some random song so that my, my phone just starts singing and I'm like, oh, yeah. Maybe that's what you need to do. Just set an alarm. Pray for a few moments. Even if it's just five minutes. Even if you're not even speaking for those five minutes, just to stop, to wait before God, to be quiet before Him, and to just lift up your burdens to Him and seek His peace. If I've, um, if I've piqued your interest about prayer and you're thinking, man, I don't even know the first thing of how to start. Or maybe, maybe I, I do pray, but you know, I want to enrich my prayer life. Please, please, please talk to me. I've got, I've got some resources that I'd like to, to let you know about that, um, that would be of help to you. But I want to encourage you, start somewhere. I, I was hanging with the, uh, the youths on Thursday night, you know, the young adults. They're no longer youth. And uh, I, I coined a phrase. It was, um, it was uh, Johnny, do you remember what it was? It was exercising your successes. That's what it was. I said, y'all can go ahead and hashtag that. that that's gonna be, I'm going to write a book one day. And I'm going to have a big smiling face on the cover of it. Exercising your successes. 
celebrating those small steps that we're able to make in life. If you're not praying, pray five minutes. If you're praying five minutes, pray ten minutes. But exercise those successes. Don't think, man, I never exercise. I'm going to go to the gym for three hours. Because you won't go back the next day. I, almost, I can almost guarantee you that. I can't guarantee a lot of things, but I can almost guarantee that. So let's stop talking about it and let's do it. Let's pray.